I just wanted to say thank you. I feel really welcome, and I definitely enjoy being here. Um, not too often my wife gets to travel with me, so she's always busy. She's a band counselor and a school bus driver, so, so this to me is an honor, having my wife here. So can we just give my wife a... Thank you. <laughs> Um, I'll just get into my testimony and share what God has done in my life. Growing up, um, and this is something that only my wife uh, maybe found out till about maybe last year. Growing up, I believed I was the ugliest guy on earth. And if er anyone has ever watched the show Goonies, has anyone watched the show Goonies? Just put your hand up. Don't be shy. Remember there's that one guy that's kind of a monster and he jumps off of the pirate ship into the water and he goes, hey, you guys. Do you guys remember that? Well, I thought that guy was way more handsome than me. Growing up, I believed I was the ugliest guy on earth and I thought I was the biggest mistake on earth. From there, that led to me making many foolish decisions in my life. And um, at age 14, I had my first sip of alcohol, and it, and it kind of spiraled and spiraled, and it, it came to the point at age 30, I was diagnosed with a failing liver. So the doctors had said, I don't got too much longer to live. Uh, my stomach was bloated out to here, my feet were turning black, my fingers were turning brown. Um, I felt like I was about 700 pounds, I had the dirtiest um, headache ever. And I had always constant pains right here from my liver failing. And whenever I looked in the mirror, what I seen, what I thought I seen was the image of a worthless, drunken Indian. Uh, no matter what I did to wash, I just felt like I was that person. Um, at age 30, I kept, on, I kept on going to the doctor and the doctor would keep on prescribing more pills and more pills and more pills. And um, for every more, for every pill he gave me, I had about thirty pills by the by the time um, near the end of it. And every pill that the doctor gave me, I felt that much more sick, that much more sick. And that doctor would promise me this pill would make me feel better. Uh, it, and then I, I went to Sastoon, and then also I thought, you know, I'm going to go into this minor emergency and maybe see, maybe try a different doctor. And then that doctor, as soon as he sees me, he says, "You." coming here. All of a sudden, he says, sit down. Looks in my eyes, and he says, don't even say anything else. He says, go across. I want you to get emergency blood work. Then you're going to come back, and I want to talk to you. He came back. He looks at me, and then all of a sudden, he says, what's wrong with you? He said, by, the, by your bone structure and muscle structure, you're, you're supposed to be healthy. And I said, I drink a little bit. <laughs> He's like, no, you drink a lot. And he says, when's the last time, that you, when's the last time you were sober? And, and then I'd tell him, thinking back, I'd, I'd go six months at a time and then maybe take one day off. Alcohol was my life. He phones me back four days later, three days later, because it's emergency blood work. Three days later, he phones me and he says, I know why you're sick. He says, I said, are you sitting down? I said, yeah, I'm driving. He said, well, good enough. He said, you're dying of a failing liver. At that point, I was urinating blood, I was shitting blood, and it was not good. And then I phoned my mom. I phoned my mom, and I had my pay-as-you-go self, 
cell phone, so I was really bawling. I had just topped it up with another hour of minutes, so I was really cool. And then all of a sudden, I phoned my mom and I said, "Mom, I said I know what's. I said I lived a long life. I'm eight, I'm 30 years old. I lived a long life, um, but here's the here's the deal. The doctor phoned me and he said I'm dying of a failing liver." And then I heard my mom cry for 40 minutes straight, 45 minutes straight, my mom weeping. And that was the day that God let me know that, you know what? I was not created to make my mom cry. According to this book here, what was I supposed to do to my parents? I was supposed to honor them. And up to that point, I did the exact opposite of honor my parents. And then all of a sudden, I, you know what? I had a $30,000 race car, not including the car, but just the parts to go into that car. It was uh, really cool. Everyone thought it was cool. I had a, it was factory-sponsored, and every, every um, performance shop wanted their name on my car because it was so good, we thought. But um, I was at the beach that day. I was at the beach, and I thought, well, I'm going to go give my... My nephews, one more time with uncle. I'll give my nephews one more time with uncle. And then I'm so sick that I'm going to be going to the hospital. And then I'm going to be dying shortly. But you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll hang around my nephews and give them one more good time with uncle before I head home and commit suicide tonight and hang myself. And then I just said, God, I said, I wasted my life. For that, I'm sorry. If you ever gave me one more chance, I'd make the best of it. But I'm not expecting you to give me one more chance. I knew I was making a mistake. I knew I was messing up for half my life. But God, I said, if you give me one more chance, I'd make the best of it. Within two seconds, God had sent Ginger to take care of me. She knocked on my window and said I looked sad. Not too many people know that Ginger had her beer goggles on that day. (laughs) She was like, (sighs) (laughs) you're looking fine, (laughs) T-Bird. But you know what? God had burdened her heart to come. And then we went on a couple friend dates. And then, um, and then from there, this is my version of the story. <laughs> um, you know what? The, one of the prettiest girls I've ever met in my whole life. And I was the worst off in my whole life. She could have did a million times better than me. And she probably should have did a million times better than me. But God had burdened her heart. And she said, um, would you ever want to, I thought she said, would you ever want to be my boyfriend? And I said, look at me. I'm, I'm, I'm bloated. I'm dying. Find yourself a husband that will love you, honor you, cherish you, protect you, make you laugh, and treat you well. But as for me, I'm not that guy. I'm going to be dying soon. She, and then she had knelt down and she said a religious prayer. And she, she said, um, she said that God's going to heal me. She's going to take care of me, and I'm going to get better. And then that was a religious prayer. So that prayer might have had to bounce off of 12 saints to get to God. <laughs> but guess what? God still heard that prayer. And within a year later, God had restored all my health. And really why I'm alive today is because really why I'm alive today is because I want to honor the Lord 
with everything I am. I want to spend the rest of my days to honor him. And I want to make her proud of me. We, because I felt this way, I get to go into the darkest places of Canada. And you know what? If this is correct, this is true, which I believe it is, in, in this book, John, John 1, 1 says, The light shines through the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. So when we say, Lord, I messed up, please forgive me, come into my light. You know what? God gives us light. So you know what? If this is true, which I believe it is, we could take that light into the darkest places in Canada to be a flickering light. And we get to do that. In Shamatawa, there was like 3,000 suicide attempts. The two graves are so filled that the, the teenagers actually pour in and, and, and join the two grave sites. And it's actually going around and into the garbage dump. Um, Cross Lake that declared a state of emergency two years ago. We get to go there and do we get to just say, you know what? Hey, Jesus loves you. You're not a mistake. My Bible says you're fearfully and wonderfully made and you're precious in his sight. My Bible says you're God's masterpiece. And then you know what? When we get to go into a room of 300 students, adolescent teens, and tell them they're not a mistake, you get to see hope just shine in kids' eyes. Um, December 20th, I just left my career, so it was probably maybe over $100,000 plus a company truck, plus bonuses, plus free fuel. So this is the first time in years I got to pay for fuel. And it's expensive. (laughs) I almost want to go back to work and say, can I just have that fuel card? (laughs) You can take my truck, yes, but I need that fuel card. But you know what? If everything in this book is true, which I believe it is, everyone is dying and going to hell unless they have a proper relationship to God through his son, Jesus. Jesus is talking to his father in John 17, 15. I am not asking you to take, to take them out of the world, but keep them safe from the evil one. In this scripture, Jesus is sending us into a world to do what he did, to allow ourselves to be affected by lost and broken people, to bring hope, healing, love, his word, and restoration to a lost and broken, broken people. When I first started preaching a few years ago, I must admit it was really, really bad. I'm not sure if the stuttering will ever go away or the moments of blankness will ever go away. A big shout out to, uh, to Loon Lake Native Fellowship for giving me my first break and my oldest son for judging how it all went down. He said, most important, I didn't take too long. I had good points and that I was funny. So to my son, I always say thank you. The reason why I preach is because the Lord has proven to me that he is real. And he tells me to go. And this is found in the passage of Matthew 28, 16 through 20. It's called the Great Commission. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. 
When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them still doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given complete authority on, in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you even to the end of the age. Somewhere along the lines, I really thought Jesus wanted me to keep my sermons and my preaching engagements to churches and maybe the odd Bible study. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me through Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 37. And it talks about Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. Do any of us know it? All of us. (laughs) Well, I'll just read it anyways. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say and how do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed by to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant was walking over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn, where he took care of him. The next... The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him to take care of this man. If his bills run higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which one of these would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. I believe the Holy Spirit was asking me who I thought I was out of out of the th- the three the priest the temple assistant they were not bad people they were good church people uh, i um okay the priest and the temple were not bad people they were good ch- church people going to their next religious event however they seen the injured man as an interruption to their ministry instead of the object of their ministry i would pass homeless people and broken people going to my next preaching event and that's when the holy spirit broke broke my heart and asked me what are you going to do tyrone are you going to cross the street going to your next church event or are you going to get involved um, in our reserve, Musman First Nation, we had nine out of every ten fatalities were alcohol-related. Uh, no one was dying of old age, and you were lucky if you died of cancer. As one body would go out, another body would come in. Another body would go out, maybe two would come in. And no one was dying a good death. 
God had radically restored my life, and we were crazy enough to think that if God can restore me, maybe God could restore this reserve. Um, first started with Bible studies, and I just got sober. I was just pouring myself into this Bible, reading it, reading it. And then all of a sudden, um, then we were crying and screaming to God, saying, God, your children are dying and going to hell. Your children are dying. You're hurt. They're hurting. God, send someone. And then that's when God, in an audible tone, said, I've sent you. I was like, hey, hey, time out here, God. <laughs> uh, don't you remember? <laughs> Uh, I have short-term memory loss because of a lot of drugs and alcohol. So God, send someone else. Send someone better. And then that's when God said, I've sent you. And then feeling so inadequate, so little. All I could say was, God, I'll go on one condition. You come with me. I never heard God disagree. We started, we started with our Bible studies. We thought, you know what? I'm not sure how this is going to look, but we started making Bible studies. And then all of a sudden, um, I didn't have no money. We, but, we, but God, we were still going to start a Bible study. So I went, I had told my last $20, and I thought, okay, with this $20, I can either go to church or I could save it and we could scrounge and, I, and maybe we can have a Bible study. Um, I can Xerox uh, my, my material, maybe get some coffee going kind of thing I'm not sure and then all of a sudden I was like okay I'm I'm overthinking it so I'm going to pray about it and I said God I only have 20 bucks I would like to go to church but I would like to also have um, Bible study and God just said go to church and I said okay God well obviously I don't have money for Bible study but I'll go to church Went there and I was feeling guilty, sat in the back. And then all of a sudden, we're just praising and loving the Lord and enjoying, enjoying, praising God and learning about Him. All of a sudden, this one lady comes, comes to me at the end and says, "God has burdened my heart to give this to you. It was fifty dollars." And God and God said, "You're supposed to buy everything you need." So then, then um, I thought, well, if I scrounge and cheap, you know, I can get it done. And then, then I hear that voice ringing in my head. God said, get everything you need. So we had fancy teas. We had coffee. We had uh, donuts. We had uh, uh, turnovers. And we, had, and we even got to go to a dollar store and get the, um, get the, um, the glass sugar container and the cream container. So we were, we were legit on the first one. <laughs> and uh, 40 people came to my first Bible study. Just getting sober and 40 people are coming to your first Bible study, you know, you kind of almost think maybe you could be a little bit of an all-star. But then, when one of the churches had said, maybe that they're learning the Bible, so maybe our church shouldn't attend that, that Bible study. So from 40, 30, 20, down to 10, 2, 1, 1, 1, 0. But God had burned my heart that we're supposed to have Bible studies. So at 6.45, I'd be in the hall on Wednesdays, or the health clinic on Wednesdays. 
6.45 would be making my coffees, my teas, putting out my chairs, making sure everything was perfect, lined up, um, getting everything lined up. My Xeroxing was perfect and everything was set perfect. And guess how many people would be showing up for the next month and a half? Guess how many? I wish. Okay. Yes, zero. But you know, God was testing my heart then when no one was showing up to my, to my zero Bible studies. I felt like a loser. But you know what? God was saying, Tyrone, just keep on putting out those papers. Keep on, keep, you're doing it for me, Tyrone. You're doing it for me. And then after a month and a half, God said, okay, change your, change your, um, change your posters to men's Bible study. And I'm like, well, Lord, I'm trying to get the kids. I'm trying to get the, the women, the, the teens, and, and everybody. No, Tyrone, change it to the men, men's Bible study. And I was looking, and no one was showing up to my Bible study, right? So, wow, okay, I have nothing to lose. All of a sudden, we had one guy show up. Then he brought his brother, and then he brought his friend. And then pretty soon, we had about 25 guys showing up constantly to Bible study. And then all of a sudden, the guys are saying, you know what? Um, that's good. We're learning. But our children and our wives are not. We should have church. <laughs> it's like, really? <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> I'm just barely getting this Bible study down, and I'm not, I don't know anything about church. <laughs> they won. We had our first church service. For from there, my dad's best friend and my dad's hero in the faith, he comes, he was dying of cancer, comes to my dad's house. And all of a sudden, my dad phones you up, and Roy's here. And then all of a sudden, we're like, Roy, Roy Cardinal? Yeah. Yeah. And then he says, come on over. So I, I just jet over there and then head, head over to, and then I unload his vehicle. And then all of a sudden, they're, and then he's playing music so beautifully, so beautifully. And then all of a sudden, now, then my dad's like, Roy, what are, you, what are you doing here? You're always welcome in my house. But what are you doing here? And he's like, if my best friend, his son was a town drunk, gets sober, and then has his first church service, I ain't missing that for anything. So from there, from there, he's playing music so beautifully on his guitar, kind of like how your beautiful music. It was beautiful. And then all of a sudden, he kept on, kept on stopping and saying, oh, I'm so sorry, my hands are sore. I'm so sorry, my hands are sore. And we're like, why are, why are your hands sore after making him play for 45 minutes? And he said, um, I made a vow that I would never play this guitar again. My son, the last time I played it was, was uh, two years ago when my son committed suicide. And I closed this guitar promising never to play it again. But if my best friend, son, who was a town drunk, gets sober and is having a church service, I want to play. So we've been going for about four and a half years. And we've been, we've been, and when we started, I was like, okay, God, what could a no-budget church ever do for your kingdom or glory? 
And then that's when the God of the universe rebuked me and told me that's not for me to worry about. I be faithful, I be obedient, and he does the rest. Um, our little reserved church, church, reserved church, is known around the world now. When when international pastors come to Saskatchewan, they want to stop at the Indian church just north of North Alford, and many of them don't even know it. Many of them will say, "Give me an atlas, give me a globe." God's called me to speak to the First Nation people, right about here and then when they look down it's just north of North Balford and there's only one native church just north of North Balford and that's us the congregation now they're not even they're not even like awe starstruck anymore right they expect big things from God in ministry our secret to success in ministry is as we humble ourselves, as we give God all the glory, and as we walk forward in faith, we will never have to beg for a miracle or blessing because God will be there big every time. It's almost impossible not to want to go out and rescue other broken and lost people after we realized that heaven was interrupted so that Jesus could come down to earth and live a life I should have lived and died a death I should have died all because he so loved us and wants to offer us new life. And Jesus wants to restore the broken life that I've messed up and we who have been rescued have a responsibility to go out and rescue other people. Jesus said, as you send me, Father, I send them. And we don't lose hope because we have hope. And his name is Jesus. That Jesus sends us to a lost and broken world to bring hope, love, and restoration. God has created each and every one of us for an amazing and mighty purpose. And one that will matter for the rest of eternity. But the choice is up to us. Do we continue to live for ourselves, our lust, our greed, our pleasures, or do we give whatever's left of our life over to Jesus? Surely God wants to use rescued people to rescue people. And the steps are extremely easy. Repent, believe, and follow. We will close with this. There might be someone still doubting, saying maybe it's no big deal if I repent and turn to Jesus. And I'm going to be switching over to Luke 15, um, verses 8 and 10. It goes like this. Or suppose a woman has ten, has a, ten valuable silver coins but loses one. Won't she light a lamp and look in every corner of the house and sweep every nook and cranny until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call her friends and neighbors to rejoice. 
with her because she has found her lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. So, when one guy that says, I feel like I'm worthless drunken Indian, says, okay, I'm done living for myself. God, whatever is left of this life, you can have it if you want it. I give it to you. I want, to, I want you to come into my life. I want you to make me brand new. I want to live for you. When, when one person does that, there's a hundred million angels around the throne rejoicing when one sinner repents. And that's a very big deal. The hardest thing to do was when I got sober was, was, was trying to understand, am I really forgiven? Because I had messed up a lot, a lot. How could that being up there ever forgive me? And I would go through this Bible back and forward, and I'd file on the day I quit, and I, threw, I just threw it down. I'm like, I want to find you in this. And then that's when I, I somehow found Psalms 103, and it goes like this. Praise the Lord with all my soul. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Praise the Lord with all my soul and never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. Pretty good. <laughs> Guy dying of alcoholism and sinned a lot. All right. He ransoms me from death. I was literally three hours away from suicide. And God redeemed my life. And surrounds me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth, is my youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious. He is slow to get angry and full of unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. Wow. That's not the God of religion. Right? I desperately wanted a relationship with this God. He, will, he has not punished us for all of our sins, nor deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our rebellious acts as far as the east is from the west. So this one was kind of crazy because he removed my sins as far as the east is from the west. So if I go north, eventually I'm going to come south. Thank you. And then, but if I go east to west, those are two points that I'll never, ever meet again, right? Never meet again. And why does God so clearly state that in his word? Because one knucklehead on earth cannot figure that out, right? As far as east is from the west, he's removed my sins, never to be brought back again. So you know what? When the devil says, Tyrone, you're just a worthless drunken Indian, and you're going to go back to your sins? No. Those sins are no more. They're gone forever. So yeah, so... And it says, the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate for those who fear him. Where are you? So, 
and I was still struggling. I'm like, okay, Lord, what's, what's going on here? And then I found Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14, because I thought it was a mistake still, and I'm trying to struggle. I'm trying to walk to God. And it says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for, if you look for me in earnest, you will find me. When you seek me, I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and bring you home again to your own land. God has a plan for me and a purpose for me. And that was the exact opposite of what I thought he was. And you know what? I get to go into the darkest places in Canada to be a flickering light. All people need want is to know that they're not a mistake and that Jesus loves them. And no matter what their sins were yesterday, when they ask for forgiveness, they're forgiven. And God has a purpose and a plan for them. And God has a purpose and plan for each and every one of you. So uh, we're going to be closing, but I challenge you, if any of you guys have an issue or a problem or a burden in your life, leave that problem at the feet of Jesus. Leave that addiction at the feet of Jesus. You guys are so important. You guys are so special. And that's why I gave up my careers, because I want to get to more places just to let people know that God loves you, and you're awesome.